Welcome, welcome to LMV Podcast. Today we are hearing from 20-year Limbok veteran, the go-to person for all things Limbok, our Google czar and friend to all, Christine Leafheit, our Vice President of People and Culture. Inevitably, Christine has had a hand in each of our Limbok experiences from recruiting all the way through the employee life cycle. This Limbok leader knows it all, let me tell you. She's going to share with us some insight on our company culture, what it is, how we can contribute to it, and use it for continued success. You will want to listen to this if you're new, been here for a few, and even if you're seeing retirement in your future real soon. You also don't want to miss the Limbok trivia at the end of today's podcast for a chance to win some dollar bills to our company store. I'm your host, Katie Mystery from Learning and Engagement. Let's get started, shall we? Christine, welcome. Thanks, Katie. I'm so excited to be here and talk about this topic today. Yeah, and I know we talk often, but I am really excited to dive into something. I've heard you kind of talk through with others, but I've never really talked to you um, one-on-one about before. So creating the culture we want. Why do you think this is an important conversation to be had? Well, first of all, I think it's funny, a little bit introduction to culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you might notice that my title is a little bit different than a lot of companies might yeah. traditionally see their leader of human resources. We don't use those words, human right. resources. You might see it snuck in and, and we're realists, but as an overall purpose, we call our department rather than HR, the people and culture department. Mm-hmm. So our emphasis already at the beginning is less on humans and that dry word of resources that sounds so technical. <laughs> so we've, we've tried to brand in a way that explains what we really are. We're talking about the people of the company and the culture that brings us all together. When we talk about, you know, people and culture, it does sound a little bit, um, it sounds more comprehensive than human resources. I mean, human resources, you just think about like, at least I think about reference materials. And um, if I need to talk to somebody, I can talk to somebody. But that's Go pretty to the much library the library and get the exactly. information and then you yes. done. Yes, it's a library. But people and culture is more holistic. Um, can you Can you talk a little bit more about that role of people and culture in creating and maintaining Well, I think when you said creating and maintaining, that's exactly what it is. That's it. It starts from the very beginning in the recruiting process. And we create our employees that will will fit in and grow the culture that we've set up. So we start with the recruiting and we find out who will be the best people to fit our culture. Mm -hmm. And I think that that starts with the recruiters. And when I say recruiters, I say that because we unlike a lot of companies, do most of our recruiting in-house. And what yeah. that means is we have people on staff, Limbaugh employees who will understand our culture and therefore versus having an outside firm hired to find someone to work for our company, we have people who are experts at the company so they can give real life experience to people who are applying to our jobs to understand who we are, what we do, and why we're a great place to come work for. And that helps to find people who were 
not just filling a slot, but coming in to be part of our culture. Yeah. So it goes from recruiting and then once someone comes through the door, what's the next stage of, you know, people and culture? What, do you, what process do you guys go through? So the next step will be the onboarding mm-hmm. is, a, is a HR term, but that's really going to be finding out how do I make myself part of this great company. Um, so the onboarding will include uh, a process of getting to know other people in your department, in your branch, throughout the company, maybe peers. There's going to be a lot of learning and engagement or you know, right. training, as, as other companies might just generically call it. But to really make that culture real for that new person and make them part of our company. Yeah. And then once they've been onboarded and they're somewhat familiar with, you know, who's around them as well as, you know, our core values and our mission, our vision, um, the life of an employee at Limbach, that's, and you, you guys come into that and you start embedding cultural elements right into the life cycle of the employee. Um, Right. So we use different tools to, like you said, model our core values including the accountability to each other. So we use tools like the EOS process and setting goals and communicating with our team to stay accountable to each other for what we're doing and what our long-term goals are so that we can all be focused on the same thing. And that's part of our culture too, right? Being Mm -hmm. on the same page and working in the right direction in the same direction so that we can grow Yeah, as individuals and as a business. And I think that's key, what you just said there. We're growing collectively, not just individually. And culture, embedding culture, acknowledging that culture exists helps us do that. But I think culture can be a, a really ambiguous topic. And it's almost as if we if we talk around it, but we never really say what it is. Um, so the question of how to build it, it's important. But even more foundational than that is how do we define it, see it? live it. I mean, you mentioned processes and tools, but what else is there? I mean, when I, when I think of the full life cycle of our employees and and the Mm -hmm. growth that we start with the recruiting process and then throughout their, their lifetime as a, as an employee, I think that it's all, the culture is all really based on our core values, starting with the one that we all remember which is we care. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, and, and the, I think the other three that we have right now, they all build on that, the accountability, the innovation, mm-hmm. and the integrity, doing the right thing, caring about each other, caring about our customers. Um, when we have our recruiters vet that out during the, the process of meeting candidates mm-hmm. and finding people who will fit into that culture of, of those four things. I think that those core values of we care will really set the standard for everything that we do. Yeah. They should anyway. <laughs> they should anyway. Yeah. In, in organization theory, um, culture is made up of, of values. Like you just said, our four core values, Um, But it also is made up of symbols and what the theory calls artifacts. But I find this so interesting. I love to like deep dive into, you know, topics and why we think of them the way we do and the theory behind it. So bear with me, if you will. Um, I just think in, in organization theory, when they say that, you know, symbols help us 
define culture. Symbols are meaning we give to things. Um, and, and I was brainstorming like a hard hat is a symbol of safety in our culture. Um, our logo is a symbol of our company. So, I mean, it's simple stuff like that. But then artifacts could also include physical things that are important to our company, such as our, our physical tools to get the job done, um, our desks even, our laptops. These artifacts often become symbolic of something else because of our values and assumptions, like like you mentioned earlier. Um, but And for example, a laptop could be symbolic of communication or getting work done. But all that being said, what do you think are some critical symbols and artifacts that we hold as a company that, you know, really inform how we behave and do business? I think that going back to that culture of, of safety or yeah. incident-free or hearts and minds, as we call it, um, mm -hmm. understanding that everything we do is a business every day. Yes, that's important. But what's even more important is going back to our families safely. Yeah. And in the type of industry that we're in, yeah, a lot of us might work in an office, but even more of us are, are using our hands. We're building things. We're, mm -hmm. we're using tools and we're making a difference to other people and structures that will be around for a long, long time. Yeah. And all of that said, if we don't go home safely at the end of the day, none of it makes sense. Mm -hmm. None of it's worth it. So having that as our symbol of who we are, yep. um, that, that attitude of my family, my whoever it is that's important to me that I stay safe every day, I think is a symbol of what we are as a company. So culture can extend beyond the workplace. Absolutely. I think that it's, it's who you are. And so the employees and candidates that we have come work for us should embody those values. They should, it should yeah. be part of them and not something that they do because it's on their job description. Right, right. Safety, definitely an underlying um, symbol, value, assumption. It's, it's, it's a foundational piece of our company culture. But can we unpack that a little bit more? What is, what all is inclusive of safety? Because I know we have some, I guess I'll call them artifacts since I just went through that, what the theory says. We have some artifacts that tell us, oh, this company cares about my mental well-being um, or they care about, you know, the benefits that I receive. What are the components of safety that we encourage and we drive at Limbach? Well, I think there's the, the physical things that you would say is we mm -hmm. support PPE, the um, personal protective equipment in whatever that would be, whether that's, you know, something as simple as a hard hat or a, uh, a, a safety vest that's highly visible, you know, with the bright colors. Um, so I think there's a lot of things that we are willing to provide our employees with the best tools to keep them safe so that there's no question that they're yeah. going to go home safely at the end of the day. Yeah. And then, and then we also have, you know, our employee assistance program, right? And so that could be a component of safety, even though it's not that physical safety that you were talking about, but it's definitely part of our safety culture, wouldn't you say? I would say our employee assistance program is a good example mm -hmm. that, 
will take it beyond the the physical tools that you hold yeah. and recognize that your your mind and your um, the way you look at the world is also affecting who you are as an employee and as a person. And sometimes making sure that that's in line, um, we sometimes need a little extra help. And the employee assistance program will be a resource for employees whenever that season of life comes and you just need someone else and a different direction to, to make sure that you're on track. I feel like so often we think that the workplace and our home life or even the workplace and our personalities are two different things. But, but really as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking through like, no, they blend everywhere, anywhere we are in life, whether we're working or whether we're home with our families, whether we're doing an activity, like we, we are a whole person and we have to be treated like whole people. Um, and I know that's kind of ambiguous too, but the idea of culture that you're talking about it treats the whole person, right? Like it's not just your physical safety we're concerned about. We don't just care about, you know, you walking into the building. We care about you, your emotional well-being and how you interact with people. And, and I don't know that that's necessarily something that, you know, we think about on a daily basis, that that's what people and culture is trying to teach, train, um, inspire. I think inspire is a good word. And I think that it comes down to, your individual supervisor. At the end of yeah. the day, you can believe in all the things that the company claims are the core values, but when you go to work with your team and with your direct supervisor and, and the people you work with, you need to feel valued and you need to feel that what you're doing is making a difference and you're appreciated and all of those, those mental well-being things that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And that's what brings the culture to life. That's what says, wow, you really do care about me. And then in turn, I care about my coworkers yeah. and I want to do the right thing for my customers and, and for the company. And, and I, I want to come to work and do a great job, whatever that is. So it's that interpersonal interaction that really drives home cultural values. I don't think that you can have it without it. If you don't yeah. have the um, belief in, that your supervisor cares about you, then, and why would you want to come to work every day? Yeah, so I true. think it's important that we have those those relationships. It's funny that you say that because now I'm thinking about when I first started at this company, I had I had not grown up in the construction service industry. I I could not tell you, you know, the difference between a hanger, a clevis hanger, and I mean, I, these are phrases that I learned <laughs> my first few months on the job, and I just. I am amazed at how quickly I learned those things and how quickly I, it's almost like you're buying into the industry. But the way that I did that was because I had a supervisor who took the time to sit with me and work through, you know, those discussion points, work through, here's what this means. Here's what this acronym means. Um, here's how you're going to see this played out. And and I'm just so grateful for that opportunity and experience because I really do think that's what helped me buy into and become a part of the culture of the company. And th that made a difference to you. That yes. made a difference versus saying, okay, here's your job description, sit down and do it and you better exactly. do a good job. Right. <laughs> no one wants to hear that. No one reacts well to that as, as a human. <laughs> yeah. Go sit down and do good. No, you want to be, you want to be part of it. You want to understand why am I, 
doing this office job or, or whatever your, your role is and how do I fit into the big picture? And yeah. having that one-on-one -on -one coaching makes that real for you. Yeah, that's so true. Um, beyond that relationship, beyond relationships in general and how they're formed at work and even beyond safety, what else do you think is interesting about our specific company culture? And has that changed since you started with the company? Um, so I started with the company going on 21 years now. So wow, certainly I've, I've, I've rolled through different, you know, levels of responsibility as I've come into the company, but I can say that we care has always been there even before wow. it was defined and put into place. It was always there. Um, but I think that my deepest desire as the leader of people and culture for the company is for us to continue on that path that, that you and I have been talking about today mm -hmm. and that that relationship between the supervisor and yes. and having that, I like to call it a culture of continuous feedback because if I don't know where I stand, then it makes me hard to understand how I can be better. And I think we all have an innate desire to be better mm -hmm. than we were yesterday grow into a better place, grow into a better employee, a better person, whatever that is. Yeah. And I, I think you can't do that until you have that, that feedback from your supervisor. And, and as a supervisor, it's hard sometimes to give negative feedback because you want to keep everything positive, but um, learning how to understand who your employees are, what their yeah. strengths are, how to build on those strengths and how to use that to grow the company into a great place. I think that having that culture of continuous feedback is the key. And yeah. so we are implementing different tools, um, using the EOS process, some software to, to help facilitate those one-on-one -on -one conversations because no one likes to hear the word performance review. <laughs> I don't even like to hear the word performance right. review. Right. So softening that. that, yeah. Yeah, that's one of those human resources words that we don't like to use. Right. You know, there's there's important parts to it. You know, there's, you know, legal reasons that we want to have documentation of employee records and how am I doing. But more important and overlying all of that is the relationship mm -hmm. with with the team, with the supervisor. Mm. So I, go ahead. So building that is is the key. Yeah. I appreciate hearing you say that because I think sometimes people are like the we care survey that annual survey that we have to fill out why do I have to fill that out but the response that you just gave is the reason we need feedback in order to grow to develop to become better people and to become a better organization the we care survey is um what it really is it's it's our employee engagement survey yes and we we measure from year to year. We, yes, we ask the same questions, but we open it up to every employee at every level, every role within the entire company. And we ask as many people to participate as possible because then that will give us data this year that we can compare to last year, that we can compare and benchmark to next year to see how we're doing as a company. Are the things and the processes and the, the values that we're espousing are they real and are they making a difference? And unless we ask our employees, we'll never know. So checking and the engagement through the survey is a key to make sure that we're on the right track and, and accomplishing those goals. And Christine, in your honest opinion, 
have we improved as an organization based on how many years you've been here, how many years you've participated in the We Care survey and, and led the charge for that? Have we been improving? Well, if I look at just purely statistics, mm -hmm. and if I have down at the bottom really bad and up at the top of the chart really good, yeah. if I look at the chart, it'll look like this, a, a straight up arrow. Now there's yeah. gonna be bumps in the road, but statistically speaking, absolutely. Asking those same questions to, of course, not the same people because there's you know, mm -hmm. turnover, but there's a lot of people who have been here throughout all the years that I've been doing the survey. Um, I would say there's definitely an upward track. Wow, that's something to be proud of. Certainly, but it's something that we always have to monitor and make sure right. that we're not taking a dive in the negative direction. <laughs> right. Well, that's, and that's exactly why we have new artifacts coming out and new resources. And um, we attribute new symbols to them and why we always look back to our core values. So, I mean, it's, it's a, it really is a cycle, isn't it? This process that. And you can never with. take it for granted that what mm -hmm. I did five years ago is right for my culture today. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that transparency and trust um, is something that we value as an organization and um, hearing you talk through the processes and tools and your thoughts behind, you know, how that trust is created um, has been has been really helpful so so far. But I think we need to pause. We need, we, we need to untangle some common vernacular. Um, and if you're not familiar with this, I like to play a game on our show called Guess the Acronym. So this is, we're going to pause. Yeah, we're going to pause from the great content here. We probably have, Christine, you know, a thousand different acronyms in this business industry. And, and I have one I'd like to see if you know. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm a little nervous. You got this. All right, let's dive in. Mama always said, life's like a box of chocolates. And LMB means limba. All right. S-W-O. And I can give you a clue if, if you need a clue. S-W-O. I need a clue. Okay. The first clue is it's a safety thing, but it's something that all of us can and should do if we see it as a need. Is it a stop work order? <gasps> you got it. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I love the stop work order. And that allows from the senior superintendent to the first year apprentice or even the helper who's just cleaning up the job site, if anything is seen, that is not safe, stop the work, mm -hmm. whatever it is. Stop it, in the office or in the field. Absolutely. All right, that was, that was amazing, good job. <laughs> okay, but back to business here. Um, in, there's a famous culture scholar, his name's Edgar Schein, and, and he says the bottom line for leaders is if they do not become conscious of the cultures in which they are embedded, those cultures will manage them. And then he goes on to say, cultural understanding is desirable for all of us, but it is essential to leaders if they are to lead. What do you think about that quote and how is it related to our business? Well, I think it's absolutely relevant to what we do. If mm -hmm. we don't have the vision in mind as leaders, 
then how can you lead anybody? They're going to yeah. walk all over you, kind of like the, the, the middle school teacher who doesn't inspire the classroom to participate in the, the line of study. That classroom is going to rule that teacher. There will be no learning happening. Yes. But if the teacher is able to inspire the students into understanding why this is something interesting that you want to know about and maybe find a way to make it relevant to them. And that's where the learning will happen. That's the teachable moment. And I think that that applies to business as well. Mm-hmm. When the, the leader or the supervisor or, or the, the manager understands the vision and they're able to inspire that in their employees, that's when we're all winners. Yeah. That's when we're all on the same page. What are some practical ways that the supervisor or leader can do that? Because you said it's all about the relationship. So how do, how do they foster that kind of relationship? I think that we talked earlier about having that culture of continuous feedback, mm-hmm. knowing where they stand, knowing what their role is in the big picture, and understanding why we're doing what we're doing, what our goals are, if it's financial, if it's whatever it is as as your department, and understanding your place in life, understanding your place in that your 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 pay place as in that machinery that helps everything work together. Yeah. My goodness. This is a loaded conversation. I mean there's there's just so many layers to it. Certainly. Team dynamics. Then we, then we could talk about subcultures and how, you know, the, the subcultures of each branch. We won't, we won't go into that, but. And the working from home culture. How oh. do I continue? That's a completely different story. How do I keep the, the teams inspired? Oh, wait, wait, wait. We have to talk about that in some capacity. Just, just touch on it because I know we only have a few minutes left, but just touch on how does one facilitate that when we have so many employees now who are virtual? So I think that we started off on a good foot because we were able to start the work from home process pretty much all at once. Yes. Everybody was in the same boat for a while there. There were some people who were 100% essential who never stopped their day, day to day. But I think that Throughout most of our branches, there was a season where pretty much everyone was in some way, their job looked different and there was a lot of remote work. So I think that starting out all together in that remote work fashion mm-hmm. helped us all understand what the process looked like. Yeah. Versus if I think we had said one person on a team decided because of my personal needs, I want to get approval to work from home. And that one person of a six-person team worked from home. Everyone else would be in the office meeting as usual in the conference room and then one person remote. I think that is the disadvantage to the one person working remote. Certainly. We all started out on the same foot, everyone working remotely. We all found new tools and new ways to communicate. Now, I say that because we were all there. We were all current employees. Our challenge will be, bringing a new person in yeah, them to fit into the culture. Because I know with my team in particular, we all knew each other. We knew each other's personal quirks and goods and bads and strengths and weaknesses. And so learning how to work remotely as a team, we all did it together. 
So our challenge will be when we expand our teams and bring in new employees, how will we assimilate that culture mm. in our different work from home environments that we are some of us still working with? And that might be where the resources and human resources crops back up again, because they're going to need to know what resources are available to them, where that exists. Ahem, everyone go to the internet, shameless plug. Um, and, and as well as making sure that they have that continuous feedback loop with their supervisor and with their team. So this is, I mean, everything we talked about today is still very relevant to the virtual space as well. But you're right, we'll, we'll have to see how this plays out. <laughs> I'm very excited to see how we can use the tools that we have, the resources that we are making available to our current employees and make that and grow our teams. Mm -hmm. All right, it's time for our curveball question to close out the show. Forget about the curveball, Ricky. Give him the heater. All right, here's the question. Can you list, it's two parts, can you list all of the jobs you've ever had and of those, which has been the most rewarding? Excluding, excluding your current job, because I'm assuming that's rewarding. <laughs> well, of course my current course. job is rewarding or I would not continue that's in the right. role. So excluding my current job, um, going back in time to my first paycheck would probably be babysitting for nice. my parents' friends, for people in the neighborhood. I grew up in a very small town, so there was a lot of, you know, we, everybody knew each other. And, and so babysitting would probably be my first, maybe not a steady gig, <laughs> but, you know, my first uh, non-allowance earning my own way. Yeah. Um, after that, I spent many years working as a crew person and then a team leader at McDonald's. Wow. Again, in a small town, we didn't have a lot of choices. So throughout high school and putting myself through college, I worked at our local McDonald's um, to be shift supervisor was where I ended up. So that was a rewarding position and it made me learn how to put on a big fake smile. Yes. <laughs> because working in customer service, you um, had to. That's right. You had to, and it made a difference then to you because working with the public is hard because people are cranky and you never know where they're coming from. And they're they, hungry. They're hungry. They're yeah. They've been waiting in line and they just <laughs> want to get that burger, and so they often take it out on the person who's taking their order or why is this taking so long. So learning how to put on that big fake smile makes a difference. When I smile right now as I talk to you, it puts a different volume in my voice. Yeah. Just having that smile on my face, whether I mean it or not. So lots of funny hours in a, in a position like that, but also lots of relationships that I mm -hmm. have taken with me into adulthood. And even though I don't, I, that was in Illinois, now I'm in Pennsylvania, I'm not in the same physical space and I don't see them face to face. They're still lifetime friends. Wow. So I think that that's important is having a job like that. So um, that's probably the biggest arc from um, childhood into adulthood. That was really illuminating. And I think helpful for everyone too. That's a good skill to take away. Smile, smile through it all. Well, Thank you so much, Christine. This has been 
wonderful getting to know you a little bit more and also getting to talk about building the culture we want. I love our company and I love our employees and I want everyone to love their job as much as I do. Wow. If that wasn't clear enough, let me just say for the record, we need to care about this. Culture impacts performance, impacts our well-being. Christine did an amazing job explaining that to us. I'm ready to go out there and build the culture I want. How about you guys? But first, let's get to our Limbok trivia. This seems like a good podcast to ask the Limbok trivia question of... What are Limbox's four core values? You need to get all four correct in an email to learning at limbockinc.com. If you're the first one to get all four correct, you will receive some cash to the company store. 